Welcome to this podcast series from the experts at Penn Medicine. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're talking about spinal deformities and treatment options at Penn Medicine. Joining me in this panel are Dr. Ali Ozturk. He's an assistant professor of neurosurgery at the Pennsylvania Hospital. And Dr. Vincent Arlay. He serves as chief of adult spinal deformity surgery within the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at Penn Medicine. And he's co-director of the Spine Surgery Fellowship at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. Gentlemen, I'm so glad to have you join us today. Dr. Ozturk, I'd like to start with you. Please help us understand the spectrum of spinal deformity that you see in practice so that our audience can get a better sense of this condition. What are the types of spinal deformity you see at Penn Medicine? Most commonly, uh, we can divide spinal deformities that we see in adults into two groups, one of which is scoliosis. That's an abnormal curve of the spine. Many of these are asymptomatic uh, and they don't necessarily require intervention. However, if they progress, it can be very painful. In addition, the pain can radiate to the legs if nerves are compromised or manifest as severe back pain. Second major category is a sort of a kyphotic deformity where patients start leaning forward. This can be just due to aging, but most commonly we see that deformity following surgery. Yes, and uh, I would like to add uh, as well, uh, we see a fair number of uh, patients who had previous surgeries and uh, after some years, uh, the uh, deteriorate process adds on and they develop uh, deformity uh, above their previous surgery. So it's not uncommon to see a patient who had a previous surgery who developed scoliosis, kyphosis, and or flat back. Dr. Arlay, do we know what the cause is? So uh, most commonly, uh, the uh, scoliosis associated with the degenerative process of the spine, what happens is uh, the disc is going to collapse on one side in a symmetric fashion, and it's going to induce local kyphosis, and the patient is going to develop uh, uh, significant deformities. So one thing that was um, uh, minimal initially with this asymmetric disc degeneration can become in a a bigger problem uh, as the years uh, go by with uh, further degeneration of the spine. So that is one of the uh, accepted mechanisms of the uh, uh, adult scoliosis. Dr. Ozturk, tell us about some of the recommended imaging studies for patients with spinal deformity and about the advanced diagnostics available at Penn Medicine that you use. We like to be very thorough in our workup with these patients. Um, this is a when surgical treatment is to be considered, it's a very complex decision uh, since many of these patients are old and the surgeries are usually uh, fairly involved, both in terms of the length of the operation and in terms of uh, blood loss. Um, and it's a long recovery. So uh, preoperatively, we typically get uh, an MRI of the lumbar spine, uh, possibly the thoracic as well. We like to have a CAT scan uh, of the same areas. Uh, this shows us the bone better. Uh, in addition, it shows us any of the prior screws or fusion constructs, if they are solid or if there's, for example, been a non-union. Uh, we always get uh, what's called standing films with our EOS machine. We have the only one, to my knowledge, in Pennsylvania um, at Pennsylvania Hospital. This is a very low-dose radiation that takes an X-ray of the entire body. 
from head to toe, and we can appreciate if patients are compensating for their uh, forward posture, say, by flexing their knees uh, and their hips. Uh, so it gives us really a complete assessment uh, of, the, of the body and the skeletal alignment. And lastly, we have a very low threshold to get DEXA scans uh, to appreciate the bone quality. Again, we like to make sure that um, the bone quality is good. We use a lot of screws for our correction, and so the screws, like any screw, is about as good as the wood we put it into. So that's sort of the last piece of the puzzle. If a patient has a pacemaker or um, you know, can't get an MRI for a good reason, or if they have too much hardware from a prior surgery, Sometimes we'll get a CT myelogram, which can substitute for the MRI and show us the nerves. Yes, I would like to add that we've had had this EOS machine Dr. Ostok was uh, talking about for the last four or five years. And I think uh, thanks to uh, this uh, machine, we have a much better understanding of the uh, problem the patient has and how to achieve the goal to uh, get a better um, surgical outcome. Uh, I think there's definitely uh, uh, a big advance in the, in the quality of our surgery uh, thanks to this machine. So it's a big plus we have at Penn Medicine uh, treating this patient with their spinal deformities. Dr. Arlay, neuro and ortho, do they work together right from the get-go or is there a point at which there's a handoff? Tell us how that works. I think each case is a very uh, um, specific just to... Uh, uh, the symptoms of the patient, but definitely uh, we work as a team. We have a, a combined conference we have once a week where we discuss our cases, uh, and uh, uh, we have some cases where we want the surgery uh, to uh, uh, go faster, to be expedited in, in a, a timely manner, and we uh, uh, both uh, teams, neurosurgical team and orthopedic team, uh, work together. Dr. Ozturk, as we're talking about surgical procedures now, before we do, are there any non-operative, non-surgical help for these issues? And then if you would, please let us know some of the approaches that you might use surgically. Our principle in spine is to always start with non-operative treatment. There are certain red flags, of course, for example, a profound weakness, unbearable pain, bowel and bladder symptoms are things that merit uh, urgent surgery. In the absence of these things, uh, our approach would always be to try a course of physical therapy and then subsequently to try pain management. If patient fails conservative therapy is when we would consider surgical options. It's extremely important that we get an accurate assessment of the patient's symptoms. Someone might have a severe scoliosis, but their only problem might be a single nerve root that's being pinched off. That patient might just benefit from a simple decompression. In other cases, the patient needs a complex reconstruction. This is usually done with multiple levels of pedicle screw instrumentation, the levels of which vary very significantly based on the imaging and the patient's needs, and several levels of osteotomies. That's when we remove certain elements of the bone so as to loosen it up. In addition, in terms of scoliosis, we don't worry quite as much about correcting the curve necessarily as at, at the end of our treatment to have what we call for the spine, spine to be in harmony, meaning... Uh, the head resting over the patient's pelvis, both in the coronal and sagittal plane. These are priorities, and I think Dr. Arlay would agree, it's very patient-specific based on the surgery they've had before, where the deformity is, the severity, uh, and, and so forth. Yeah, at Penn, we, we always uh, start with the conservative treatment. We have our pain management team, uh, and all uh, of them help us to treat the patient conservatively. 
Now when it comes to uh, surgery, we use the, uh, the skills of our um, general surgeon to access to the spine and most of the essential surgery nowadays done in minimal invasive uh, fashion. So uh, I think with the team we have of neurosurgeons, uh, access surgeon and orthopedic surgeon, we're very well versed into uh, tackling uh, the most complex uh, spinal deformities in the adult population. So Dr. Arlay, you just brought up second opinions and referral and your expertise. Tell us about the expertise of the specialists at Penn Medicine and the Spine Center. And what would you like other referring physicians to know about referral and the specialists available there? Cases, I mean, we have the large array of specialists I was uh, talking about, uh, and it's uh, physical medicine, the pain medicine uh, doctors. We have uh, our radiologists who help us uh, read uh, some uh, complex MRI or myelo CT scan when it's uh, uh, difficult. Uh, we have, we have our physiotherapists that uh, take care of our to, patients. Uh, uh, so there's no question we have a large a, uh, group of uh, specialists to help us uh, 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 to uh, uh, decide by the surgery. Other thing, too, uh, we should uh, look into is um, uh, some of these patients have a severe osteoporosis and they require to have treatment of their osteoporosis before we can think of doing the spine surgery. So rheumatologists or endocrinologists are there to to help us uh, maximize the uh, the bone strength of our patients. Uh, in the same manner, this as this uh, surgery are quite invasive when the medical treatment, conservative treatment, has failed. We need to optimize the. Uh, the patient uh, to the surgery, and that uh, is done with what we call prehab. That means we uh, want the patient to get to the surgery in, in the best uh, uh, physiologic uh, state, uh, with doing exercise, uh, physiotherapy, and uh, and uh, maximize his nutrition status, um, uh, stop his smoking, just try to uh, cut down on his opioid uh, medication. All these require a team approach, uh, which is going to uh, maximize the outcome of the surgery. So I think it's very important to work uh, as a team. And uh, I think as a surgeon, we have to listen to everybody. Uh, everybody's input is important when we decide to, uh, uh, to treat a patient's spinal deformity. Dr. Ozturk, would you like to add anything else in the area of technical considerations you'd like to share with other providers? The main technical considerations when we think about the spine is that, first, how to get to it. As Dr. Arlay mentioned, uh, we can access the spine from an anterior, posterior, or lateral um, approach. Um, there are several uh, considerations when con- considering which is the best approach. Very frequently in deformity patients, it needs to be a combination of an anterior or a lateral and a posterior. Other times we can address it all posteriorly. Obviously, that's the most direct access to the approach. The other thing we need to decide is uh, how much to fuse, and if so, how many levels. Um, sometimes if the patient's principal problems are in the legs, indicating nerve compression, if we can identify that clearly, we can offer just a decompression, in which case we don't necessarily put in screws. We're not doing a fusion. Uh, the recovery from those operations tend to be a little quicker. Um, and uh, they can be very rewarding, again, if the principal complaint is chiefly in the legs. When there starts to be more of a structural issue, meaning the patient sort of lost their posture and the back pain is severe, is when we need to consider doing fusions, again, in which case we can go uh, from multiple uh, uh, routes uh, to access the spine. 
coming from an, a front approach, an anterior approach, uh, has the advantages of we're much more able to straighten the spine out. Um, so we do like to do that because many of these patients tend to be leaning forward, and that, that leads to quite a bit of back pain. And then lastly, where to stop our fusion. While we try, always try to do the least amount possible, we at the same time want every one of our surgeries to be the last one. In the spine, it's very possible to kind of address a, uh, the, the patient's issue right at that instant, but the patient might be back six months later. That's not what we want. We want to reach a point where we don't think the patient's going to have any more surgery. That's our ideal goal. In terms of our outcomes, these are very complex cases, and you know, as Dr. Arley mentioned, we have an excellent team here. We have to be very calculated in who we offer surgery to. So we do an extensive workup preoperatively. We discuss as a team uh, which patients we're going to operate on, and we make sure that they're in you know, the best shape that they can be before we offer the surgery. And at following the operation, we have an excellent ICU. With, compl with complex surgeries like this, it's, always, uh, it's extremely important to be done at a hospital on a team that has, that has extensive experience, and that's what we're so happy to be able to offer here. This isn't just routine back pain, and we're not operating on routine back pain here. This is absolutely life-altering. A lot of these patients aren't able to leave the house due to their pain. And so when we get them straightened and their leg and back pain improved, it can be a three- to six-month process, but with life expectancy uh, constantly um, uh, uh, lengthening in this country, uh, you know, someone who comes to you at 70, 75 might have 10, 15 years life expectancy, and that's who we try to pick. They're absolutely some of our happiest patients, and we're just so happy to restore them to a functional lifestyle for that long. Dr. Arlay, before we wrap up, what research avenues are you currently exploring to advance treatment for spinal deformity? I think just we have uh, lots of exciting uh, avenues. Just uh, one is uh, the uh, robotic surgery, which uh, I'm not sure applies yet to uh, complex spinal deformities, but definitely uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, robotic or advanced imaging techniques uh, may help uh, in uh, in the future to treat this uh, spinal deformity. We've uh, made a good advance in terms of biologic, in terms to achieve a fusion, uh, then uh, the artificial intelligence is going to be probably the next step to being able to uh, tell us what we have to do when we see a patient. So I think the artificial intelligence is going to be uh, the next step um, forward to so be able to have a much better understanding of what represents the best outcome, how to get to the best outcome, and have a much better understanding of how to optimize uh, the patient outcome. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining us and sharing your incredible expertise on this comprehensive and complex topic. Thank you again. That concludes this episode from the experts at Penn Medicine. To refer your patient to a specialist at the Penn Medicine Spine Center, please visit our website at pennmedicine.org refer, or you can call 877-937-PENN for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Penn Medicine and podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.